0: My morning coat, my collar mounting firmly to the chin, my necktie rich and modest, but asserted by a simple pin, they will say, but how his arms and legs are thin. Is that good?
1: That wasn't what we asked you to read at <laughs> all. That is not his. You it stopped at all. right
2: before the part we asked you to read. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Welcome to our special bonus Valentine's Day episode of the Fire the Canon podcast. In this podcast, we read our way through the works of the Western canon and decide if they belong or not. Our opinions are objective. I'm one of your hosts, Rachel.
0: I'm the other host, Jackie. And I'm Theo, the producer. And? Happy Valentine's Day. Love <laughs> no, is in and, the air.
2: And you're a host this week. Oh. <laughs>
0: Even if I read it, you don't have to call me a host. That puts way too much pressure. Ho,
2: ho, ho. Happy Valentine's Day. (laughs) Ho, ho,
1: host. That's him. That's what we should have done on our Christmas episodes.
2: Host, host, host. Say it thrice, no dice.
0: Remember? (laughs) I thought if you said host three times, it makes a host appear.
2: We've already got a bunch.
0: Okay. And we got three this time. Okay, what's your Valentine's Day resolution, Rachel? Keep
2: dating Steven so we can keep getting all that sweet, sweet free programming for our podcast.
1: (laughs) I knew that the last 10 years would be worth it one day. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Yeah. You finally got a free website out of him. (laughs) Took him long enough. I know.
0: That's so Rachel.
2: Okay, let's talk about our Zoom names real quick. Jacqueline.
0: I am Lazarus. Come from the dead. Theo. I am the eternal footman, and I snicker.
2: He used to be a pair of ragged claws, but he decided it wasn't prestigious enough for him. So, And <laughs> I am an easy tool. All right. Okay. Now we're in the thick of things. In the thick of things. I it. would recommend that if you're not very familiar with The poem we're covering, which I realize we didn't say it, it's the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock by T.S. Eliot. You should look up a copy. It's pretty short, or you can listen to someone reading it. You could hear T.S. Eliot himself reading it. We listened to Sir Tom Hiddleston (laughs) reading it.
1: (laughs) You could also choose Anthony Hopkins if you so desire. Yeah,
2: join our Patreon. Give us enough money, one of us will read it for you. No problem. But I would recommend that you go- just quickly read the poem. It'll take a couple of minutes. Then come back in and listen to us talk about it.
1: Okay. So this is the first major poem written by T.S. Eliot. T.S. stands for... Thomas Stearns. Tuberculosis. You're right. Sorry. Thomas Stearns.
2: <laughs> tubular sclerosis.
1: He was born on September 26th, 1888.
2: So we're going to get real deep into his background, it seems.
1: I just want to talk about some important things about him.
2: Like his birthday.
0: (laughs) Go ahead, do it, do it, do it, do it.
1: September 26th, 1888. He was born 103 years and four days before me, which means we're both Libras. So I feel like I have a unique understanding of what it's like to be Uh tortured.
2: What it's like to be tortured, did you say?
1: Yeah, you just can never really decide what the right thing is, you know? Except
0: for a Libra, when you check your horoscope each day, it says, torture, torture. (laughs) (laughs) That's what a Libra is all about. Venus
1: is in retrograde. Today you'll be tortured. (laughs) Wow. I think he's got Libra energy. He's related to three presidents, John Adams, John Quincy Adams, and Rutherford B. Hayes. So that's a pretty good. Jackie, you should have let us
2: guess.
0: Those were going to be my guesses.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I feel like the first two are kind of a cop out. If you guess
2: one, you have to guess the other. It's like the bushes or something. Yeah,
1: exactly. So anyway, he was born in St. Louis, Missouri, and he always kind of had this feeling growing up that he didn't really belong anywhere. He had this kind of like fancy northern family who lived in New England, and he would- Boston
2: Brahmins. He
1: would summer there with them. And so he never felt like he belonged in the south because the southerners didn't accept him because of his northern connections. And in the north, he didn't belong because he had been raised in Missouri, so- He talked about that and said he always felt like he was never anything anywhere. I don't know. Like you hear people say stuff like that now and it'll be way more pronounced than that difference but apparently that was a big deal to him so whatever feelings are valid if
2: he didn't belong i really think that he should have been a pair of ragged claws scuttling (laughs) scuttling across the (laughs) floor he thought so too (laughs) yeah he agrees (laughs) so we have something in common as well it's not just the libras oh no no exactly
1: yeah but um so he was very tall he was painfully shy um but but very smart how tall are we talking oh probably like a good five eight what i'm just kidding i don't know but did you say
0: he was painfully tall
1: Painfully smart. Uh, how tall? I'm looking it up. I'm looking it
0: up. I'm gonna look up how short. 5'11?
1: That's not that tall. Or no, it wasn't even the 30s. It was like the early 1900s. How tall are you, Theo? 5'10".
0: Uh, I'm gonna bleep that out.
2: So you should say 5 bleep or just bleep out the whole I'm thing? Say
0: bleep 10. So it might be 6'10, might be 7'10. 4'10, 10. 10.
1: might be 3'10. Uh, <laughs> could just be 10. Yeah. I. How tall are you?
0: 10? Ten Theo units.
1: Okay, so he when he was young, he was he was tall, he was really shy, he kind of loomed over everybody. And he actually composed this poem that hopefully you've read or heard now, um, but which you'll hear us talk about. He composed it while he was still a college student at Harvard. So this was, he was around 22, 23, this was 1910 to 1911 that he wrote this poem. I thought
2: he worked on it for five years. I thought it was 1910 to 1915. Wait, I just looked it up. It says that he wrote most of it within a year, but he worked on it for several years.
1: Yeah, I mean, he did. He There's time for a thousand visions and revisions. There's time.
2: There will be time. There was time. Yeah. Which, what is it? A minute will reverse.
1: Yeah. Which five years will reverse in this case. Then he had, like, eight years of a dry spell, kind of. So he, from 22 to, like, 30 or so, he didn't really produce anything major, which okay. I mean, he wrote one of the most monumental poems in the English language when he was 22. So Um, and he always worried that this was going to be his swan song that he wasn't going to be able to produce anything great after this again, but he did. So the number one thing I just want to mention is his romances or lacks thereof, because this is hugely important to all of his art and just understanding him as a person and this poem in particular, this poem was actually composed, I think before he met the main like muse that he, you know, loved for the rest of of his life. And, you know, he later met Ezra Pound and they had a a very successful working relationship together in which Pound helped him edit, especially The Wasteland and some other of his longer poems. But so the main body of the poem was um, composed in 1910, 1911, and it was published in Poetry, um, I think that same year. Never mind, it was published in 1915. So after he revised it a little bit. Great poem. Great poem. Good. (laughs) Good.
2: (laughs) It's a great poem. It's a good poem.
0: (laughs) Wait, so he was 22 when he started it in 1910. So that means he was 27 when he finished it? When he published it. When he published it. Okay.
1: This poem, we'll see when we talk about it, is written from what sounds like to be a much more mature mind. And he's kind of writing about themes and ideas that you would think a 20... death, growing old, right? Missing
2: out on things. Baldness.
1: Regret. Um, and so he already had this indescribable feeling and he managed to describe it and he was very young so I think that's very impressive. I see. He always had this um, not obsession with this woman but So he he met her. He was performing in a dramatic adaptation of Jane Austen's Emma. But so the woman was named Emily Hale and together they performed in this adaptation and they became friends. And so they hung out for over a year, him and Emily, and they were just kind of friends. Eventually, he professed his love, which he'd basically had the entire time and she didn't return his feelings. So he's devastated. He he just moves to London. Dramatic. I'm looking her up. She was pretty cute. She was, yeah, in a, you know, 1912 sort of way. Whoa. Whoa.
2: Jackie thinks she's hotter than Emily
1: Hale.
0: Mean girl.
1: (laughs) Women supporting women, Jackie. (laughs) Emily Hale was very pretty. And so he ran away to London and very quickly within a year, um, I think he had married his first wife. And so she was an English woman, a governess named Vivian so they got married after this very like kind of whirlwind courtship and it became quickly apparent that they really weren't good for each other. They weren't well-matched. Um, she kind of had suffered from quote unquote nerves for years. So I don't, what does nerves mean? It sounds like maybe Mrs. Bennett knows basically, I guess that just means mental illness. Um, So, and her mental health kind of deteriorated over the course of the next several years. So World War I began pretty much as soon as he got there, immediately followed by the Spanish flu epidemic, pandemic, which um, they both got really sick and it actually took them years to recover. Can I say
2: something funny real quick about him? No,
1: nothing is funny about him. (laughs)
2: There's some funny things. Yeah, sure. While he had just moved to London and was still obsessed with Emily Hale, he wrote a letter to a friend that said, I am very dependent upon women parentheses. I mean, female society, close parentheses.
1: (laughs) You know, the imperfection of any attempt at communication really got to him a lot. I think that's why he has Libra energy. Oh gosh. So anyway, um, Him and Vivian, they got married, but they didn't really love each other to begin with. Like I was saying, they had this kind of whirlwind romance, but um, he had sort of convinced himself that he was in love with her because he wanted to burn his boats. He wrote that in a letter to a friend that I think he just didn't want to feel, you know, compelled to go back to America and try to win over Emily again because Emily didn't want him. So he convinced himself he's in love with this girl marries her. And then Vivian kind of felt like she could maybe save him and as long as she could just keep him in England, then like things would be okay. But his heart was never really fully with her. He was writing letters to Emily the entire time that they were married. It's like,
2: I don't want to bother one woman. So let me ruin another woman's life.
1: There's a lot of controversy over how T.S. Eliot treated his wife. And certainly you could say that it's not very kind of him to marry someone, not love her, stay with her. But I mean, he, he really tried very hard to support her. Like he, he paid for her to go to like very expensive doctors and sanatoriums and stuff, but Mm -hmm. she just wasn't getting any better. Um, and it actually led to He had a mental breakdown himself in 1921 Mm. because of all the stress. So he resolved he's going to he divorced her, but he continued to support her until her death financially. Uh, She died in an insane asylum in the 50s. Ooh, that's a bad place to be at a bad time. Bad country, bad time, bad place. Um, After this, he had been talking to Emily the entire time throughout their letters and through talking with her so much in these letters. And he only saw her like one or two times, I think, over the years. She started to love him back. And she was like, okay, well, you've left your wife. You said you love me. I'm in love with you now. Why don't we do this thing? And he was saying. Gosh, what's he going to do? Well, he he had converted to the Anglican church. And so he said, I can't marry anyone else, you know, as a divorcee. Excuse
2: me. The, no, whole the whole thing about Anglicans them, is Anglican that the king started it so he could keep getting divorced and
0: remarried. <laughs> that's the whole point.
2: Or
1: sorry, he, did he maybe convert it to Catholicism? No, you he became wrong. an Anglican. So was he just bullshitting?
0: That's the worst bullshit.
1: <laughs> he said it was against his moral code to marry. Okay, bro. What I actually think, and I feel like this kind of ends up playing out, like, he had this constant urge to, like, deny himself because she was his muse, like... Wanting her and not having her was what drove his poetry, what drove his art. And if he could have her, then that wouldn't be there anymore. The letters between Emily and T.S. Eliot were just published last year. He said they had to be kept secret in a vault in Princeton for 50 years after they had both died. Wow. So 2020, they uh, they all got opened up and all the scholars came out. And you would see the first thing that it said was T.S. Eliot saying, I did not have sexual relationship with Emily Hale, which is like... Very Clinton-esque.
2: Yeah. Did he really say that? Is that a joke? Yeah, he did. That was the first thing he said? I did not have a sexual relationship with Emily Hale? The
1: first thing that they found, instead of being, like, letters to Emily, was actually a letter to them, the scholars of the future, 50 years in the future, saying, hey, just so you know, I wasn't that attached to her. We never had sex. Like... So he just downplayed the whole thing immediately, and then her letters are like, look what he did.
2: That doesn't help at all. What,
1: the 50 years of waiting?
2: Saying like, oh, uh, I didn't have sex with her, so it's okay that I strung her along? Come on, Okay, but he
1: wrote her letters where he talks about how much he loves, like... Not having sex with her. (laughs) Yeah, he wrote her letters where he talks about how much he loves kissing her and kissing her feet in particular. I guess I'm not surprised he's a foot guy. T.S. Elliott said he liked feet because it was a special kind of consent.
2: What? So he knew he was a foot guy.
1: Yeah. He said, I love kissing your foot because when I do that, you have to remove your stocking, which is a special kind of consent." I guess people's lips are just always out there. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to take a stocking off your lips. I don't know. But Prufrock and many of his poems do have this theme of love denied and sex denied and love failing and sexual failings and existential failings and intellectual failings and communication failings. And But I think understanding that about him helps us to understand the poem better.
0: All right, now let's talk about the poem. Do
1: you want to talk about the epigraph at all?
2: The epigraph is saying, essentially, I'm going to tell you my story because I know that you won't be able to share it with anyone else. So I'm going to be free and open. So I have read that people are saying, yeah, it's probably he probably used it to say, like, these are the interior. This is the interior monologue of Jay Alfred, like his private thoughts that he doesn't think anyone will share. We're taking the Dante perspective in this kind of
1: conversation. Why did he pick this name, J. Alfred Prufrock? What a what a weird name.
2: At the time he was going by T Stearns Elliot. So it had the same construction as his name, mm-hmm. but he said he had no idea where Prufrock came from, but someone said like, Oh, there was a there was like a weaver company in the town where he grew up that was called Proof Rock something. And he said, Oh, I guess that must have gotten in my head. Would
0: you be disappointed or delighted if you found out that in his original draft, the guy's name is Jalfred proof rock and he just had a little extra dot that he made and then saw that's
2: what Ezra Pound said that was his edit yeah
0: yeah.
1: that's why this poem was considered outlandish at the beginning it's
2: like Jalfred what kind of a name is Jalfred
1: it sounds like it could be maybe a a butler's name
0: you're thinking of
1: Alfred I'm thinking of Jeeves and Alfred Maybe put together.
0: Jabutler's name could be Jalfred.
1: This is Alfred my Jabutler. Um, I'm Jabatman.
0: That, that was like the dumbest word, the I'm Jabatman. <laughs> the Jadark Janite. <laughs> <J-Batman. laughs>
1: <laughs> so stupid. Let's go to the Strait of Gibraltar. I mean Gibraltar. To Gibraltar.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Reverse engineered it.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's what I do. But in a minute it will be reversed. What it's about is it's about many 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 things and so like the wikipedia page for example says it has visceral feelings of weariness regret embarrassment longing emasculation sexual frustration a sense of decay and awareness of mortality i've also seen things saying that it might be about like um, like the industrial revolution like, I guess because of all the yellow smog around, I was like, I don't really get that from I understand
0: it, like modernization, discomfort with the modern era or something like that.
1: The half deserted mm-hmm. streets. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I think it's the kind of thing that anything that you are feeling, you can just put in there. As long as it's negative. As long as it's not happiness. Yeah. Unless you really wanted your hair to be thin.
0: Oh, we've been misreading this.
1: They say, ooh, how his hair is growing
2: thin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We love it <laughs>
0: like that. Your hair has thinned. Yeah.
2: Okay. I love the opening. Let us go, then you and I. I think is great. He's. Re- I feel included in the poem more so than <laughs> oh, you usual. You think he's
0: talking to you? I thought he was talking to me.
2: He's probably talking oh, to. Wait anyone. a
1: second. I know he was talking to me.
2: <laughs> His fellow Libra. <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Can you just explain what a Libra is? It's just
2: an astrology thing. Like, you don't really need to know about it. No,
0: but I want to know why she's saying this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really a believer in astrology or anything. But the idea behind it for Libras is that we're constantly seeking balance and we're constantly, like, obsessed with, like, fairness and justice. And we have an innate understanding of the way that one thing gets destroyed, something else is created, and vice versa. Like, there's always two sides to every story, there's always basically options. And that's like one of my favorite parts of the poem is you're trying to say something, you're trying to communicate something, but there's a million different ways that you could say it. And depending on how you, like, you can never take it back the once you say the way that you say it, <laughs> that wasn't said very well <laughs> Well, you at can all. never take, <laughs> <Yeah>. it <back. laughs> you take it back. Libras are people who can't choose anything. And so they end up just saying nothing. But
2: sometimes they write a lot of poetry instead of saying nothing.
1: T.S. <laughs> Eliot's entire body of work is, um trying to say something that he's not able to you know oh, why is this happening to me
2: <laughs> it's spreading from the poem to you you're the new it's Jackie Alfred
1: Prufrock wow <laughs> that's what the J stands yeah. for
2: <laughs> the overwhelming question Let's talk about what we think it is. I think it's Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh. That's
0: the overwhelming (laughs) question.
2: Don't you think, Theo?
0: That's an easy question to ask.
2: (laughs) But what's the answer? It's an
0: easy question to ask, and you ask me, what's the answer?
2: Yeah. Now you're (laughs) supposed to say, oh, do not ask, what is it?
0: Let us go and make our visit. No, I don't want to do that.
2: See, it's an impossible question. Even Theo can't answer it.
0: No, I can. (laughs) Obviously, Pokemon is better, but...
2: (laughs) Well, if only you could have gone back in time and told him.
0: That's an easily asked and answered question. Oh, I guess in his time, it would be difficult to know.
2: (laughs) Exactly. He couldn't put it in words.
1: Yeah. He's trying to convey the impossible choice that is not before him.
2: Well, what do you guys think the question is?
1: Usually people think it's him confessing his love.
0: Yeah, it seemed kind of like that. I
1: think that's definitely what I put onto it as a teenage girl. But I think... It is a love song. I don't think it is a love song. It's literally
2: the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock.
1: I know, but (laughs) I don't think this is really a love poem. Okay. You think it is?
2: I think it's got a lot of things in it. I think it's a poem about weltschmerz, the pain of the world, and also, uh, you know love.
1: When you think about a love poem or a love song, like you think of this overflowing of positive emotion about another person. No, not at all. Just a song about love. Yeah, but that's what the general society thinks of a love song, right, Theo? Like Ideally, you want it to be positive. The way this poem is most similar to a love song is that it's a song about pain. (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) Which I think is how he viewed love.
2: Okay, let's work our way down. I mean, I like that the fog is a cat. I think that's nice and cute. (laughs) Jackie, mm-hmm. I'm sure you recognize that.
1: Meow.
2: I would love to have a pet cat made out of yellow fog. That would be so cute. Oh, Creepy. <laughs> Thinking about it, huh? I mean,
0: the yellow fog is from burning coal, right? So you know Jackie with all her cats. She would keep... Burning more and more 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 coal coal. just to get more yellow fog cats.
1: (laughs) Every month and a half or so I get a new one.
2: Yeah. Ever since her boyfriend left the country, she's acquired like five cats. It's
1: it's startling. Well, five and then one has gone on its way.
2: In a good way. It got adopted. (laughs) The yellow fog that rubs its back upon the window panes. The yellow smoke that rubs its muzzle on the window panes. Just the repetition he uses is great. Yeah, I like that. I love some rhyme in a poem. Mm -hmm. Love some rhyme.
0: Some rhyme? It
2: doesn't have to rhyme perfectly the whole time. All of a poet's work doesn't have to rhyme, but if a poet never rhymes, I look down on them. Wow. Because it's a restriction that you put on yourself is needing to rhyme. I
0: don't know if I necessarily think this sort of rhyming that he does is a restriction he puts on himself because he's so free about it's it. It's very, very loose. No, I'm
2: saying if you tell yourself that I need to have some rhyming in my poem, that is a restriction.
1: Yeah. I, I sort of think of things like that as gimmicks. And I think there have definitely been times when I've said, let me just put something in here because it'll be hard to do and that will be impressive or that'll be something that you know, gives it structure, drives mm-hmm. me forward. But these rhymes, kind of like uh, the internal rhymes, like in Maria Davani's, Davana Headley's translation of Beowulf, like mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're musical. There, I think this is a poem that's meant to be read out loud. The repetition of the stanza in the room, the women come and go, talking of Michelangelo. I think the idea behind this, or at least what I've read, is that women are kind of like just this passing abstraction to him. He doesn't he doesn't feel like he understands them, or that they're really something he can interact with.
2: I thought it was about how. Everyone else is essentially in in a museum, enjoying this piece of art. Like they're all talking about the same thing. They know what they're talking about. They're enjoying it together, and he can't find a way in.
1: He's a phony. They're a phony.
2: I have never read it as him looking down on them or thinking that they were being phony. I always saw it as him wanting to be included but not being able to. He
1: just does, he can't figure out how to relate. Well, to Well, with
0: them. that, Michelangelo. Line, yeah, I mean, I guess it rhymes with come and go, right? But like does. What? Correct. <laughs> Interpretation. Why would he pick that artist? I don't know. He's
2: he's the main guy, right? Michelangelo's like the artist, basically.
0: Like the
1: main Ninja Turtle?
2: That's the overwhelming question is, which is your favorite Ninja Turtle? <laughs> That's and
1: they're the overwhelming all talking about question.
2: Michelangelo. <laughs> but he likes Donatello. He just feels like he can't get involved.
1: When he says in the room, he means in the sewers. Yes. I
0: don't know what point I'm trying to make. It's just, like, yeah, there's like... David, of course. and then But then there's also like the Sistine Chapel, which is like these bizarrely muscular... He
2: created the ideal man for
1: Europeans for centuries.
0: Yeah, with David, but I don't know about...
1: Well, this. you can bet that he never sculpted T.S. Eliot's sickly pale form with his thin arms and legs. So maybe you're right. He's There's some sense of um in inadequacy. That's what I'm trying he to say. He would
2: hate that bod. Who knows? Maybe it just rhymed. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I do love how preoccupied he is with how he looks... Throughout the poem. It's so good. So good. I knew Theo was going to love this poem. I knew he was. It's full of anxiety and like weird, little weird quotes. And I'm like, that's Theo's weird. wheel. His wheelhouse. His His weird 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 house.
1: house. (laughs) Sorry, that's a little out of my weird house. I can't do that. My wheeled weird house. A weird house on wheels. Yeah. Foot stuff that's out of the weird house. (laughs) It's in Jackie's weird house. It is. We cannot start that. That's not a thing.
0: Rock has trouble deciding what is actually important to prepare a face to meet the faces that you meet is followed by there will be time to murder and create yeah to put on a face for it to like interact with society and then like whoa you're deciding about who lives and who dies time to murder
2: (laughs) (laughs) my necktie rich and modest but asserted by a simple pin
1: (laughs) you love that line you read it like three times it's so
2: cute of him to be like ooh. How's my pin? (laughs) (laughs) Simple. Is it simple enough? Is it too simple?
0: (laughs) He like has to worry about all these little ordinary things.
2: And he's constantly like, "Okay, I'm doing everything I can to look good, but I'm growing bald and I have stick arms and legs. Yeah.
0: And (laughs) when I walk away, they're going to see the bald spot, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So
1: just walk backwards and
2: Uh, keep his back to the wall and just sidle around like a pair of ragged claws. You can
1: kind of imagine this poem like is the work of, like I said, an ancient mind remembering his entire life and everything that he failed at and like didn't do when he should have done or everything he was too neurotic not to do. Do mm-hmm. Or to yeah. do, you can also imagine it taking place in like a single minute. Like the whole thing is just an anxiety thought. Yeah. Like. Someone is coming across the room to talk to you, and you're like, Dah! and then that the poem, one instant thought. Yeah.
2: That's how it feels, right? He's like, I'm sick of the modern world. I'm sick of trying to navigate relationships. What if I was just mm-hmm. a freaking lobster?
0: Oh, I thought it was a crab. <laughs>
2: I mean, it could be anything, right? But
0: I pictured crab. But
2: then. I feel like lobsters' claws are more ragged than cr- crab claws. Hmm. Yeah, the crab claws are a little pinchy. But I do think lobsters kind of hang out in one place more, and crabs scuttle more, so. I just... The, for I have known them all already, known them all, have known the evenings, mornings, afternoons. I have measured out my life with coffee spoons. I know the voice is dying with a dying fall beneath the music from a farther room. So how should I presume? Like, come on, that's great. That's a reason to learn how to speak English, I gotta say.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Tell me more about that. That's an interesting thought. So
2: if someone was asking me, should I really learn English? There are things that would come up first, but I would also say there are some, you know, there's a really good poem that
1: you probably yeah, There's have. a really good poem. Yeah, Well, that's very high praise. <laughs> it's a good poem. It is, yeah. So the next thing, and we've talked about the ragged claws so much. I'm skipping that. Sorry. No,
2: there's more to say. <laughs> Theo, what did you think when he said that people's eyes pinned him to the wall, sprawled and wriggling?
0: Yeah, like a bug, right? Like a
2: bug.
1: How did you feel about that?
0: Uh, you know, we've all been there. <laughs>
1: What does he mean to, how should I begin to spit out all the butt ends of my days and ways? I
2: mean, what I get from that is just when people are paying attention to him, how could he possibly express himself that's too much? Mm -hmm. Maybe he can come close to figuring out what he wants to say when he's by himself, but then when it comes to actually having those orbs trained on him, pinning him to a wall.
0: Social anxiety.
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Exactly, yeah.
2: I imagine when he's talking about the butt ends of his days, it's just like, Every day is a cigarette that you're smoking, and then you have this trash left over that he's trying to do something with.
1: Wow! Every day is a cigarette.
2: <laughs> Sounds like something a horrible teen would say.
1: <laughs> or maybe he's thinking of the butt ends of the days, like what your thoughts are when you're like alone with your thoughts at night. Like, how do you express? Maybe he's something thinking like
2: that? about butts. Who knows?
1: Maybe he's thinking about. No, we know he's a he's a footman. <laughs> uh oh
2: wow. no! Eternal footman. <gasps> He wishes he was the eternal footman. That's
0: why. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm the eternal footman.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> a special kind of consent. <laughs> holding your coat and snickering. <laughs> okay,
2: sorry. Now you can go to your thing after the claws, Jackie.
1: So he, he does a lot of repetition again, and he talks about, like, the teas and the toasts and the cakes and the ices and just, like, all of these, like, kind of polite, decorous activities. Sounds delicious to me. Yeah, delicious, but they are things that you eat with your pinky in the air and with your arms by your side and your spine up straight, and how do you express yourself? You need, like, a, like a sloppy Joe to express yourself. Like, you've got to just get in there should
2: have stayed in the u.s they might not have invented sloppy joes by the time he left
1: the overwhelming question could have been where can i get a goddamn sloppy (laughs) joe in this place yeah Yeah. (laughs) i went to london i went to england i went to same place (laughs) do i dare yeah but so he says after all of this after all of this um you know social propriety how will i have the strength to force the moment to its crisis that's a great line Mm
2: mm-hmm yeah. And he talks about his head being bald again. <laughs> on a platter. He says, they're bringing my head in on a platter, and what's worse, it's bald. Do you know what he's referencing? John the Baptist. You know what happened? You know how his head got cut off? Yeah, it was an accident. No, it wasn't an accident.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it happened on
2: accident, and he, they put it on a incident. plate. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's... No, it was uh,
2: a, like a princess was dancing for the king. And he's like, your dancing is so cool. I'll give you anything you want. Like, literally, you can have anything. And she's like, anything? And he said, yeah, anything. And she's like, cut off this man's head and bring it to me on a platter. So he did.
0: All right, let's keep going. All
2: right. So we reach the part of the poem where he imagines saying something to a woman and the woman saying, that's not what I meant at all. (laughs) And he imagines that multiple times and it's horrible to him.
1: And he's saying, would it have been worth it to say what I want to say if this is her response? So and so think, far
2: it seems like it's not worth it because he hasn't said it yet. So
1: do you think that's him, again, like professing his love and she's saying like, oh no, didn't mean to lead you on.
2: I thought we were friends. Sorry, bro. Yeah, that's how I took it. Yeah. Oh, did we want to say something about the eternal footman? He even imagines death it himself laughing and making fun of him. Yeah,
1: Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. kind of funny, right?
0: Yeah, I like that just holding his coat
2: the problem is it has the line i've seen the moment of my greatness flicker and i've seen the eternal footman hold my coat and snicker and you laugh yourself and you're like that's a hilarious line and the next line is and in short i was afraid and you're like oh damn (laughs) sorry (laughs) i always feel so terrible with that because he does this with this little rhyme you're like laughing along with death thinking that's so funny what a cute little thing to think of But my gosh, he's afraid. That's terrible.
1: Well, and the image of his head on a platter and being preoccupied with the amount of the lusciousness of its hair. That's funny.
2: I know. It's like funny anxiety. And then it hits you with like... Funny anxiety. Not funny at all anxiety. Also,
1: I think it's funny. I grow old. I grow (laughs) old. I shall wear the bottoms of my trousers rolled. And then he talks about all these things he's going to do when he's ancient. He's like, I'm just going to be some fool wearing these white pants on a beach.
2: Sounds awesome. You know, when I was in college... I really wanted to be J. Alfred Proofrock for Halloween, and I spent a while planning it, but I couldn't find white flannel trousers. I feel like I oh.
1: did a group Halloween costume with you almost every year, and I don't remember this.
2: Because that's not a group costume. That would have been a solo costume. You're right. I think I did say to you, what if I was J. Alfred Proofrock and you were a mermaid? Aw. That would be a great couple
1: costume.
0: I don't remember that because I would have agreed. What about, like, you get a group of people and you're all the different... Like, like one person has the tie with the pin. A simple pin. One pen. Has a pair of ragged claws. <laughs> one person. Theo
1: just wants to be the ragged claws. If the three of us get to spend <laughs> a
2: Halloween together sometime, can you be a footman who snickers? Oh
0: my gosh, I would love
2: that. <laughs> Holding a coat in the air. <laughs> and
1: oh, and the coat can have a
2: little pin on it. Yes.
1: Oh, yeah. It's the coat. Steven
2: could be a crab. Jackie could be a mermaid. And I'll be J.
1: Alfred Broufronk. And I think they're going to look at this and say... Two of them are ocean themed and what the fuck are these other two
0: things? (laughs) I mean, but it'd be great. Someone would be like, "Uh, Theo, what is your costume and why are you just standing over here by the door the whole night? And I would be like. I would explain it, and then I'd say, oh, that makes sense. It's not your social anxiety. That's not why you're not talking to people. It's it's your costume. You have
1: to. I, I'm just snickering in the corner. The
2: character you're pretending to be has social anxiety.
1: <laughs> Eternal Footman has social anxiety? I, I don't know. <laughs> snickering is a kind of nervous laugh, right? Here's the
2: thing. Do I dare to eat a peach? That's the line in the poem where I'm a little bit like, mm, is he
1: a perv? I thought he was saying... Am I going to break my teeth on this? Because he's old. Why can't an old person eat a peach? It's soft. I'm so old that I have to be worried (laughs) that I'm going to hurt myself with this soft fruit.
2: For most of the poem, I'm not getting perv vibes, but I get a little bit of a perv vibe from him saying, do I part my hair behind? Do I dare to eat a peach?
0: I'm not getting perv vibes at all. At that
2: point, I'm thinking that it's him saying, I'm an old man, but I want to hit on this young woman with white arms who's too young for me, and it'll be so embarrassing because I'm bald. Because I'm thinking the peach is, like, youth, whatever, and he's thinking, like, should I hit on this woman who's too young for me? I mean, when he wrote it, I guess he was 22, whatever. We get to the end. We're talking about mermaids. I've heard the mermaids singing each to each. I do not think that they will sing to me. I've seen them riding seaward on the waves, combing the white hair of the waves blown back. It's all good, but the the last little bit.
1: Oh man, there's so much alliteration and, and rhyming just in those two lines. It's good. Combing the white hair of the waves blown back when the wind blows the water white and black. It's great. Whoa, 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 whoa. It's so good. We
2: have lingered in the chambers of the sea by sea girls wreathed in seaweed red and brown till human voices wake us and we drown. Didn't have to go off like that, but you did, and I'm glad. Mic drop. <laughs> it's so You're just good. Just showing off now. It's just so it's good. It's so good. It's unbelievably good. I can't believe how good it is. I've
1: read this poem many times before, but when I was listening to Tom Hiddleston reading it in the shower last night, okay, Jackie. which is true, but I swear it's not as weird as it sounds. But I was like, I just want to like spend a lot of time, so I've like listened to it several times <laughs> and just.
2: I I played Tom (laughs) Middleston reading a poem on repeat while I showered
1: last night. Not on repeat.
0: (laughs) Just the peach line.
1: (laughs) Do I dare to eat a peach? Do I dare to eat a peach? (laughs) Um, Well, okay. So, what I'm saying is, even having read this many times, like when it was finished, like the actual reading of it, my mouth just dropped because I was just like, damn, a single human wrote that and they were a kid. Like, that's just crazy. I'm just in awe.
2: This is a good poem. It's funny. If you don't want to get depressed, you don't have to think about it like that. You can just focus on the funny lines. <laughs> it can really, you know, you can adjust it differently to suit different moods.
1: <laughs> this has been The Love Song of J. Alfred Prufrock with your Fire the Cannon host, Jackie. Rachel. And Theo. Snow
0: is the producer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this and we would love to hear your own thoughts and interpretations of this poem, because as we know, there are many. Please.
2: We would love to see a review
1: that you write for us. Tell us your thoughts in review form yes please you can send us an email at fire the at gmail dot com love you facebook we love you <laughs> gmail we love Google. we're on <laughs> facebook as as a discussion group and an official page for announcements at fire the Cannon podcast we are on both twitter and instagram as fire the canon pod we have a website, which is firethecanonpod.com and also firethecannonpodcast.com because I messed up and gave someone the wrong link and Stephen had to purchase a second domain. You're welcome, listeners.
2: <laughs> thank you, Stephen, is what you should have said.
1: <laughs> You're welcome, listeners. This mistake was one that I made on purpose. No, thank you, Stephen, for your kindness and fixing all my mistakes we also have a patreon patreon.com slash fire the cannon we also have a ko-fi so if you would like to make a a one-time donation to us just to say thanks um purchase us a coffee a new microphone you know whatever you want to do um
0: ko-fi.com slash fire the cannon our audio quality is going to keep getting worse and worse until you buy us new mics
2: yeah and you don't have the choice to stop listening
0: all right so now for our traditional valentine's day sign off here we go we We love love you we love love in all of its forms especially our
2: love for you and yours for us